And welcome to episode 128 of the Rough Cut Retrospective, a movie podcast brought to you by two little nerdy boys amidst the apocalypse. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts whose humor is set to 50%. It's Jackson Muirin. Hello. Hi. How are you? And uh, with me, he wants a hot dog. It's Carter Sims. That's the quote you got. <laughs> That's incredible. Dumb. Damn, popcorn at ball games. It's just not right, Jackson. You know? I want a hot dog. So great. Um, how you doing, dude? Dude, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm coming at you from Florida. Uh, just down here for a little vacay, a little work vacay. Um, and it's good. I've got some. I got a tan. I'm a little sunburnt, but I'm here to talk to you, and I, I can't wait. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, this past weekend, I, uh, you know, did some Passover with Abby's family. My oh, brother's 18th yeah. birthday was this weekend, and we did uh, Easter. So like, it was a whole lot of stuff. Busy, and now busy. we're kind of winding down this week. So, yeah, we're excited to talk movies with you. Um, this week we are talking about Interstellar. So it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Sweet. Carter, let's just jump into it with Tell Me Something Boy. Tell me something, boy. Oh, boy. Um, I was into a lot this week. I got a lot done. Um. First, I just want to mention off the top, Succession aired on Sunday, episode three. Nice. I need and to get caught up so bad. This episode, Jackson, was bonkers. Crazy. I hear, yeah, I tried to stay off Twitter because I heard there was like a lot of spoilers with it. Yeah, so. lot, uh, a yeah. big seismic episode. This was cool. um, one of the best ones I've seen. Um, so that was awesome. And this coming Sunday marks like succession still going on, but Barry comes back for its final season on Sunday as well. <gasps> Exciting. You're so, eating. I know. Oh God. I love it. Um, so I'm into that. Uh, then Jackson, I went to see the super Mario brothers. movie. <gasps> nice. I'm going to check that out this week. I think. Yeah. Um, what'd you think? I would say uh, me and Lauren went, um, and we were probably aside from, parents with their kids the oldest people in the theater i would say um which i think the movie is definitely i you've probably heard this from like some of the people that have seen it in our little group chat that it's mm-hmm. really just geared towards kids there's not a lot of in there for like the adult to like quote like tolerate a kids movie which like uh-huh. you know, some studios do pretty well like pixar and dreamworks things like that um kind of just fun kids movie and uh you know it was cute it was fun but I think they got uh, a box office behemoth there, and I think they're going to probably build out this little cinematic universe. I would think. Um, I know we talked a little a bit smart about smart thing to do for sure. Yeah, I know we talked about like a Smash Bros. movie maybe down the road. <laughs> I could I see like, it. I feel like that could be in the cards here. Um, so we'll see what goes on there. Um, then I went to see uh, Air, which is the nice. uh, the Matt Damon Ben Affleck. Uh, the making the air Jordan shoe, which was like really good for no reason. Like I wasn't, I don't think anyone was really expecting this to be like a, an awesome movie, but I think it mm-hmm. was Um, really good script, uh, good performances. And uh, yeah, just really fun. I enjoyed that very much. Um, Then I checked out on Hulu. Apparently there was a Boston Strangler movie out uh, on Hulu starring Kira Knightley. 
in a Boston accent. And I was like, well, you've got me here. I'm going to check this <laughs> out and see if it's good. Um, I would say it was fine. Okay. Uh, kind of like, uh, it's about like her, like she works at the, a newspaper in Boston, like trying to uncover who the Boston Strangler is kind of, mm. kind of deal. I would say it's not my favorite Boston newspaper story. I think we know what that is. My favorite Boston newspaper story uh, movie would be. Um, and knew. it wasn't this. Yep. And then let it happen. Um, spotlight. Uh, so that was okay. And then my final one, I just want to shout out. It's a little older movie, but I finally checked it out because I've been wanting to. Um, I checked out Wolf Walkers. Which, okay, nice. Um, it was on Apple TV. And it was nominated for an Oscar like three years ago, but I always wanted to get around to it and I never had. And uh, it's this cute, just Irish animated movie. And it was adorable. I loved it. Cool artwork, cool animation, and uh, some some bangers of songs too. So just want to shout that out. Um, that, that's what I was into. I was into a lot. What about you, buddy? I was not into as much stuff this week. I was pretty busy like seeing family and stuff, but uh, I managed to watch Ted Lasso episode five last night of season nice. three. Really fun, really liking the season. Very curious where a lot of these arcs are ending up. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really overall liking that a lot. Um, we're on the back half of season eight of The Office on the rewatch. Nice. Nice, still nice. holding up, still holding up. I still think season eight is like not nearly as bad as everybody says, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of dreading the switch because I got to the episode where Andy breaks up with his girlfriend at the cabin oh. and it's so, it's like one of the worst scenes to set through i think um and then of course when you know like that it doesn't pan out uh it it's even worse uh man poor andy they butchered his character in the show but yeah they really did yeah um then no new show or no new uh movies for me this week but i did rewatch the nice guys i think it's oh yeah man the nice guys is so kick-ass that movie needs a sequel they were uh Russell Crowe mentioned that in an interview this past week or something how he wants really? that to happen I think cuz he's doing press for the uh you seen the trailers for the Pope's Exorcist I have yes uh, he's, he's got a doing... fun accent in that Yeah he does I think he's doing press for that and I guess Don't someone asked him boss. about the night That's what he says <laughs> Uh so yeah so I'm, that would be awesome if that happened I, I, Ryan Gosling's the best like when he's in his comedic lane I think <laughs> Oh and absolutely And hopefully we'll see that in Barbie Barbie trailer was cool. Oh, we yeah, the Barbie trailer was so much fun. I don't have was that this week? No, I think was, I don't know. If, I feel like we mentioned it already. Maybe okay, but I don't. It know. was very we'll, fun. We'll just bring it up again. That it yeah. was fun. Uh, yeah, super yeah. weird. Uh, did you watch the? Since we're talking about trailers, you watched the Marvels trailer this week, right? Yeah, it looked really good. Got it. Looked say. fun. I just want to shout it out because I think it's the most disliked Marvel trailer on YouTube right now. So I just wanted to. <sighs> I just wanted to hype it up. Um, because that's obviously just trolls because there's yeah. three women leads just trying to down yeah. downplay it. But yeah, so, Captain yeah. Marvel got one of her best suits I think I've ever seen uh, in live action, which is cool in the trailer. Like the big logo, like not a ton of like MCU lines that they give on the suit and stuff. True. But at the same time, they gave uh, Ms. Marvel a terrible downgrade for her for her uh, <laughs> suit. I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm excited for it though. It looks yeah. really fun. Yeah, trailer looks fun. I yeah. uh, hope it'll live up. I love that director, um, Nia DaCosta. So yeah, totally looking forward to it. Yeah, I like how it's like spacey, but not like Guardian spacey. Like it's almost like a grounded mm. spacey. That sounds so stupid. Not but, like, Kevin spacey either. Yeah, exactly. Not Kevin spacey. Just 
a good safe spacey. Of course, yes. That you can be left in a room with. Looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh that's all. That's all. That's all. All right, Carter. Let's move on to I'm ready for my close up. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Yeah. All right. So today, as we mentioned, we are talking interstellar. We must confront the reality that nothing in our solar system can help us. Now you need to tell me what your plan is to save the world. We're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it. And this is the mission we were trained for. I've got kids, Professor. Get out there and save them. released in 2014 directed by christopher nolan and written by christopher and jonathan nolan uh here's a log line for the movie carter in a near future ravaged by drought and dirt storms a group of space explorers travel through a wormhole to another galaxy to try and find a suitable new home for humankind boosh feels pretty good yeah starring matthew mcconaughey Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Bill Irwin, Michael Caine, Casey Affleck, John Lithgow, Wes Bentley, David Giassi, Topher Grace, Timothy Chalamet, Mackenzie Foy, and Matt Damon. Oh, Matt Damon. Jump Big scare. Cast. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Truly a jump scare. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah speaking of, uh, it was released November 7th, 2014, with a budget of $165 million. And a box office revenue globally of six hundred and seventy-seven point four million dollars. Good for them. Yeah, honestly, kind of underwhelming considering. I mean, obviously, it's a huge amount of money, but like considering like how big of a gorgeous movie this is, it's like why didn't more people see this? But I digress. Cowards, cowards. I know. Carter. Speaking of, when was the first time that you saw Interstellar? This is one of the times seeing a movie for the first time that I actually really remember. I went mm-hmm. up to the indie IMAX to see this. Oh, buddy. All right. A baby. I was with uh, Davey, friend of the pod, and uh, Jacob, just a friend. Uh, hasn't been on the pod. Um, <laughs> and we went up, we saw this movie, and we went to Red Lobster afterwards. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Yeah, and I, that's, that's, I just remember that day that we went to Red Lobster afterwards, and we were trying to talk about... And we just kept saying, it's love. It's love, Murph. We just kept saying that to each other. And we still do to this day, pretty much. That's that's remained a constant. But uh, you need this... those like cheddar biscuits to ground you after watching such a 
a, such a movie that makes you feel so small. Of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and yes, I uh, yeah, this movie ripped in the IMAX as most uh, I bet. Nol- as most Nolan movies do. I'm um, hoping to see Oppenheimer in the IMAX when that mm-hmm. comes out. Uh, but yeah, that was the first time I saw it, and then I've seen it a few times after, not on the IMAX screen. Obviously, it's it's not the same, but it's still pretty much rips. I watched it last night mm-hmm. with uh with my whole family here and in, in, on, on vacation. Oh, fun! My dad had not seen it. Um, what do you think? He he loved it. He was like, oh what? great. He was like this. <laughs> we were getting to like the final twenty minutes of the movie, which we'll talk about later. But he was like. Yeah. I just looked over at him and he looked at me and he went, this is wild. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so true, Mr. Sam. So, so true. true. So true, Mark. But yeah. What about you? Did, did you saw this in theaters? I'm assuming. I did. Yeah. So this was, I think we were six. I was 16 at the time um, when this movie came out. Uh, we saw that the old AMC 12 nice. um, back in the old days. Uh, and I think I saw this with my friend Quentin and friend of the pod. Uh, Quentin Mayo, who was on for our Matthew McConaughey episode, which you should totally go check out, um, ties in pretty well. Um, And I remember specifically, we sat so close to the screen because it was like a packed theater. Oh, nice. That like, and normally I would hate that, but like, because it was like so gorgeous, I felt so enclosed and encapsulated by space. And it was just like, I remember thinking in the theater, I was like, this might be one of my favorite movies. Like this is like in, in and that's like something really special. Like it doesn't happen all the time, but like that Definitely. feeling of this is going to stick with me for a long time. And I'm going to love this for such a long time. Like that's when you know it's special. Like that's how you were with like everything everywhere in, in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Probably similar feelings. Like when I, yeah. when that movie ended, I like couldn't get out of my chair for a while, but exactly. Yeah. Feeling for you for sure. Totally. Um, Carter, what are your initial thoughts on Interstellar? Um, so I hadn't revisited it in a while. Um, so revisiting it, my initial thoughts are just like gorgeous scope and scale of this movie. Like Mm -hmm. I, like, I think I talked about before, maybe when we talked about the prestige that I wasn't like, I wasn't in on Christopher Nolan yet until I watched the dark Knight, And that's when I kind of discovered who he was. So then just like he really is on like from Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises to, oh, I guess uh, Inceptions in in between there. Like he's just putting out these banger blockbuster movies. And Mm -hmm. for most part with aside from Batman aside, I think Nolan is the last like event filmmaker. I think like when Nolan comes out with a movie, like I think everyone wants to go see it. I think they're event movies and totally. although although Tenet didn't save movies like everyone thought. Um I think yeah. that was still an event movie. Like that got me out of COVID to like go see that movie in a theater. Um Interstellar was one of those movies where there was so much hype around it. And I think it the hype holds up. When I heard like Christopher Nolan was gonna do a sci-fi movie, I was like, Well, this is gonna be great. How's he gonna practically do all this? Because that he's into practical mm-hmm. effects and stuff. Um but yeah, this movie is just gorgeous. I love the kind of, I think it's the modern sci-fi of our of our time, sci-fi space movie. Totally. Um, I don't know if there's been one better since. I think you could put 
like Blade Runner 2049 up there in the sci-fi. That's the only one I was going to say. Like both yeah. of those are like in the post 2010s, I think are some of the most impressive. Yeah. But like if you're just talking about like space expedition exploration movies, this probably takes the cake. Totally. I don't think one has topped it Absolutely. since. Um, but yeah, those are just my initial impressions that it's just a great modern sci-fi epic. What about you? Yeah, totally. Um, this is, I think it's a safe bet for me to say that this is like my favorite Nolan movie period, which is thanks nice. a lot because I, I really like um, pretty much everything I've seen from his uh, yeah. with just like, and then there's like the dark Knight Rises, but um, still entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I also want to say that this is like one of my favorite science fiction movies in general. Like it takes a lot of homaging from like a bunch of classics um, that I've kind of learned to watch after the fact and like kind of connect the dots, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's just something so special with this that I think it, it connects with me so much. I think you're you're nailing it on the head when you say it's like one of the best space movies of like the modern era. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of what, what even other ones are there. There's like Gravity. True. And like um, Gravity, The Martian, perhaps you could put up Life. There. Life. Yeah. Which is an Aliens awesome. ripoff. True. <laughs> the Martian. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But yeah, I think this is just like truly just like one of the coolest modern sci-fi movies we've had one of the coolest space movies and honestly i think this is one of the best looking movies we've had in such a long time totally. like i don't know every time i watch this i'm just like man this this is so impressive and and after doing research the reason why i was like man the cgi looks flawless is because a lot of it isn't actually CGI, which I think is also really cool. And like the stuff that is CGI is incredibly impressive. And we're going to get into that. Um, But yeah, overall, I think beautiful, gorgeous, amazing story and a father daughter story too. Um, told like such an intimate story told throughout the scope of space and time in different dimensions. It's awesome. I I fucking love this. Uh, But yeah, those are my initial thoughts. You have anything else to add before we move on? I don't. I love 2001 as Space Odyssey. And that's what this was on an epic scale. So, yeah. Totally. Absolutely it was. Let's move on to Great Scott. Great Scott. All right. Going back in time to 2014. Mm. Such a long time ago. I mean, I'm kind of joking. It is, but it isn't. We were in high school at the time. Yep. Uh, Movies that were released the same week of November 7th. 2014. Can you guess what they are? Oh, November seventh. One's animated. Oh, what year was this? 2014. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was it a Pixar movie? Uh, no, it was not a Pixar movie. Oh, then I don't know. <laughs> Big Hero Six. It was a Disney movie. Yeah, ah, there you go. There you was go. It really? Oh, oh nice. It okay. was Big Hero Six. Bet. And ah. the other one was a biopic starring no i'm not gonna say who it's starring but it was a biopic that was pretty famous in 2014 biopic that was famous i'm trying to think of the oscars this year um was this was this the eddie redmayne year was this like theory of everything year yes it was oh baby you nailed it oscars man that was impressive okay yeah so those were released the same uh same day same week wow as uh interstellar pretty big opening weekend yeah. Um, other films that were released in 2014 include The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Ooh. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Ooh. Whiplash, Nightcrawler, The Grand Budapest Hotel, 
22 Jump Street and American Sniper. Mm. Oh, American Sniper, that baby doll. Yes. God. Have you seen American Sniper? You know God. what I'm talking about? I saw that in theaters. And yeah, that baby <laughs> looked so terrible. There's like, a, I think it's like college humor, I think, does a sketch where like, they recreate one of the scenes of them like when they're holding the baby and arguing and every time it cuts back to the baby it's like a faker baby <laughs> it's awesome that's awesome. Um, i think that's college humor it's really good shout um, out american yeah. sniper shout out i guess <laughs> I, I it's a weird movie i don't know i don't know how i feel about like war movies like modern war movies it's kind of weird anyways yeah, fair um top songs of 2014 include happy by Pharrell. Dark Horse by Katy Perry featuring Juicy J. Hey-o. Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. Drunken Love by Beyonce. And Wrecking Ball from Miley Cyrus. Big oh, year what a, for what a year. okay music. <laughs> um, the Swifties are going to come after you now, Jackson. I know, I know, I know. Um, the events, though, I thought were really, really interesting Ooh, okay. uh, uh, for 2014. We have the Ebola global health crisis. Yikes. And whenever I was reading about it, I just got to say, Post COVID, nothing impresses me anymore. It was like <laughs> seventeen thousand cases, six thousand deaths. I'm like, oh, boo hoo, rookie numbers. Exactly. Um, this year was also the year of the Malaysian Airlines Flight 17 that went missing. Oh, geez, which is crazy weird. Wow. Um, we had the Ferguson riots this year as well, along wow. with the death of Robin Williams. Oh no. That's true. Okay, now I totally can place myself into where I was, what I was doing now. Got it. And we also had the uh, Sony Pictures hack um, from North <laughs> Korea with like the interview, which oh, is also times. kind of weird. Good times. James Franco. Ooh. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that is the little time capsule. And now I will get into the pre-production for Interstellar. So um, yeah, so the premise for Interstellar was conceived by writer Linda Obst and theoretical physicist Kip Thorne. Now, Kip is going to come up a lot uh, during this episode because truly, I I don't think this movie exists without him. I think this is just as much of a Kip Thorne movie as it is a Christopher Nolan movie, if okay. not more, which is, which is maybe a hot take. I don't okay, know. Okay, Kip. Yeah, so um, these two were introduced uh, on a previous film called Contact in 1997. Hmm. Um, the two thought of a scenario based on Thorne's work described as, quote, the most exotic events in the universe suddenly becoming accessible to humans. Um, I just wanted to quickly talk about how I think this is a really interesting uh, difference stark difference between our last sci-fi movie that we covered with eternal sunshine of the spotless mind of like a guy having a drunk conversation with a girl who was like, yeah, I'd erase my boyfriend's memory. And then a, a theoretical <laughs> physicist, like creating this like eight page, like treatment that was like based off of like theoretical physics, like theoretical <laughs> physics, which is just Vastly like so, different, so different. And just truly like, I almost feel like they're on complete, different ends of the sci-fi spectrum which is just so cool um i love it um so yeah so they they make this treatment they pitch it to steven spielberg and paramount pictures Mm. in 2006 um they they agreed to it they begin development um and in march of 2007 jonathan nolan is hired to write the screenplay 
So this is before Nolan, Christopher Nolan is attached to the project. Okay. Um, At the same time, like during the production, uh, Steven Spielberg moves his production studio and he leaves Interstellar. Like he's no longer attached to the project. Oh. Um, And this is, so they go a couple more years of looking for somebody. And then Jonathan Nolan suggests his brother, Christopher Nolan, to join the team Mm. um, in 2012. So he does that. Uh, Jonathan Nolan, he works on the script for four years. Um, in the meantime of doing this, uh, he learns uh, like relativity at the at the California Institute of Technology. <laughs> and Nolan and Christopher Nolan are are visiting NASA and SpaceX and like doing all these like little road trips to like just get all sorts of knowledge on this stuff, like the best that they can do, Jeez. which is really cool. Um, at, at this time, too, they're also like meeting, of course, with Kip and, and stuff and working on that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, John and you can it's one thing that I found interesting in this research too is that Jonathan was incredibly pessimistic towards like NASA ending the space shuttle program and switching to like the unmanned space missions to Mars mm-hmm. where they would send like the drones out and stuff mm-hmm. the rovers yeah and like you can totally tell that that is like an undertone of the movie like oh yeah the whole thing is like trust the human pilot not the navigation system like don't trust tars i mean like eventually he comes around but like i definitely think that's like so apparent in this script in a way that i find really interesting definitely definitely Uh, and then of course uh the blight which is the ravaging of like all the crops in the movie is inspired by the dust bowl uh in the 1930s and actual footage of ken burns documentary the dust bowl is used throughout the film which i'm sure you you knew about but if if those who don't know um, a lot of the f- what seems like um, documentary footage that which we learn at the end is like a documentary based on the blight that happens like, at this time. This is this is actual footage from Ken Burns documentary about the 1930s Dust Bowl, which is like really interesting. So cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really love that detail. There's some some footage within it that's like with like actual actresses, like the actress who plays old Murph is the first person yeah yeah. they shoot a scene of her in that fake documentary uh oh it's a real documentary but you know what i mean um (laughs) so hers is like the one fake one and then everything else i think is from the dust bowl documentary which is pretty interesting so cool um yeah uh christopher nolan wanted mcconaughey after watching an early cut of the 2012 film mud and he thought he fit the everyman role really well Dude, shout out Mud. Well, by yeah. the way, like you mentioned Contact earlier. You know who the star of that movie is? Matthew McConaughey, right? Yeah, baby. Yeah. There you go. Which is is, is pretty interesting. That's awesome. Um, Nolan shot Interstellar on 35 millimeter film and on IMAX 70 millimeter as, as well, which I'm sure made the IMAX experience just insane. Incredible. I'm so jealous you saw it in IMAX, actually. That's so- oh, my God. It throttled me. It was awesome. Um, when filming inside the space station, they projected images of space onto the screens outside of the cockpit. So actors would be re- reacting to realistic images in real time, which is really interesting because I feel like that's like what they did with like the Batman and Mandalorian with like that's, that state. Yeah, that's what the volume before the, the volume. volume. Yeah, yeah, it's like volume before the volume, which I thought was kind of interesting in their production. Amazing. Um, and then, of course, the influence the influences that Nolan mentioned for this film include Metropolis, 2001, a space odyssey, Blade Runner, close encounters of the third kind and star Wars. So I don't know. Is that surprising to you? 
<laughs> no, that seems like you can see all of those. Literally all of them. In there. So yeah. that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. So with that, let's move on to you did it. Congratulations. You did it. Congratulations. Carter, what works in Interstellar? Boy, a lot works in this movie, Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. We've already talked about it a little bit, but I just want to mention again, like just the scope and scale of this mm-hmm. movie. Just like everything from like just planting all this corn, which is just one of those fun facts that I know yeah. about this movie that like the production planted all of this corn and then uh-huh. like, sold it for a profit, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incredible. Sorry to step on a fun fact. No, that's that it's a great but, fun fact. Um, But like just like planting all this corn and then just like, the the scale. I love how the scope and scale you're referencing <laughs> well, is a cornfield. Well, I'm starting with like <laughs> I'm starting with corn to show you just how deep. Okay, it gotcha, goes, gotcha. Right. So like the the so there's the corn, right? But then yeah. you see like this ship set on the backdrop of like Saturn's rings mm-hmm. and like and oh, just like so breathtaking and gorgeous. This movie is like really makes you feel tiny in comparison to to everything and and then just like all these shots of like whenever the camera's like outside, like on the side of the ship and just like you feel the silence of space, like they don't put music or any sound effects on there. Like it's just, you're in the silence of it and all these shots. So I think that's breathtaking and just like the shots of the ship spinning and things like that. It just also that stresses me out. There's so many scenes in this movie that give me anxiety also totally like the best way possible, but I just want to start with the scope of this movie is just incredible. Um, You mentioned that I think a lot of people when they watch Nolan movies would say that they don't really focus on the characters and just like, they just want to get you from set piece to set piece Mm -hmm. and have these, these big ideas. This feels more character driven uh, of Nolan's movies. I think maybe the most character driven of any of his movies. This and like the prestige, I feel like are both very up there. Like obviously you have these breathtaking set pieces and cinematography yeah. and things like that, but it's driven, as you said, at the center by just this father daughter relationship. And I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. Like you wouldn't see that in like really a space movie or sci-fi movie of a massive scale like this of a box office yeah. scale. So, so I think that is, is awesome. Um, I'll mention one more thing, then toss back over to you. Cause I'm sure you have stuff that I might step on, but I just got to mention the score. Um, Let's Hans. let's talk about the score, dude. This is one Please. of those top things I wanted to discuss. Please. Um. Obviously, this is like a fun little trivia fact that uh, I was going to get into later, but let's just bring it up now. Let's do it. Uh, many people know this, but composer Hans Zimmer, uh, he's worked with like Nolan before with the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception, mm-hmm. and they had him score the film without reading the script. Yes. Which is an insane task to do. Um. But he was given a single page that told the story of a father leaving his child for work. And like, this is the masterpiece that he, he pumps out. And I think maybe this is a hot take. I think this is his best score. Like, I think it's insanely good. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a hot take. It might be just in comparison. I'm sure people would say like, Oh, inception or the dark Knight or things Mm -hmm. like that. But, but yeah, this, this score just, just goes it like there's peaceful moments. There's these incredibly jarring moments. It's, it's amazing. It fits it so well. And again, it just alludes to the character driven aspect of it. That it's just about that. He wrote it just knowing about a father and daughter and not the space. God, it's good. 
I love how it's like mostly organ music too. And it's like so like there's like four instruments in like this whole score, and it's it's just phenomenal. Dude loves his organ. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Um, let's see. I'll do one more and then I can toss back over to okay, you. Okay, yeah, totally. Um I just uh, Nolan always likes to mess with time and mm-hmm. in both like a narrative structure and like I mean in this movie he really, really Fs with time. Um obviously in more ways than we'll, we'll get to later, but just the storytelling choices, you know, opening the movie on like these, as you said, like these Ken Burns documentary and then like splicing in between like those talking heads at the beginning, the books falling off the shelves that come back to play later. He loves to just give you the answer to his movies right at the beginning and then mm-hmm. give take you on this journey to find out why that's happening. Um, and it's just it's just wonderful. I just that's why I love Nolan so much. He always likes to play with time in some fun way. So, what about you? I, I don't want to step on any more f- for you. Yeah, totally. I think before I get into the other stuff, what I really want to talk about is the science within the science fiction of this movie is so specifically unique. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if people like realize how fucking nuts, like how scientific this is, and how much Kip Thorne threw his whole brain into this movie. Yeah. Um. So basically, he worked with this insane visual effects uh, team called Double Negative, and they went through and like they did like they ran all these like simulations that were so good that well one they t- they took up so much space that like it took like a hundred hours to render like one of these like CGI thing. It's 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 insane. Um, I think they had like eight hundred terabytes of data. Like by the end of this, which is absolutely insane. Um, But the visual effects uh, provided like new insight into how like gravitational lensing and acceleration uh, happened like around black holes. Mm -hmm. And so like they learned like and he, he made two scientific papers after this movie, one for the astrophysics community and the other for computer graphics about like how black holes work and like ridiculous it's insane yeah it's, and, and it's unbelievable and it looks insane in the movie like it looks so gorgeous so good yeah it's one of the coolest things uh one of the coolest shots of this whole movie is just looking at the black hole but um he like i think like in t- 2019 they they were able to f- like photograph an actual black hole and guess what carter what it looked like the one that they made in a CGI program based off of like the data and theories that they had. Like, like they like proved a ton of shit. Like he won, uh, he was awarded a, the 2017 Nobel prize in physics for this movie. Dude, movies are crazy, man. God. I mean, look at what they he, can do. They, they made scientific discoveries. He took an Albert Einstein prediction about like, uh, like the detection of gravity waves mm-hmm. and and like he like proved it like that's that's insane it. this yep. movie led to like scientific discovery incredible um yeah so i just got to say that but then i also want to say like he was very strict on um a lot of how the science would work for this movie like he was very much hands-on in this process sure and he laid down two guidelines to strictly follow um, one being that nothing would violate established physical laws, and the other would be that all the wild speculations would spring from science and not from the creative mind of a screenwriter. And he said one of the biggest clashes he had with Christopher Nolan 
was that he spent two weeks talking Nolan out of an idea about traveling faster than light. He was like, you can't do it. We're not doing this in this. Don't try. You can't do it. (laughs) Incredible. But yeah, so I I just wanted to shout out all the science there because there's a lot of science shit in this movie. I cannot even begin to comprehend a lot of it because it is like, yeah, it's a scientist science fiction movie. Like this is for like the real big wigs up at NASA or whatever. Like, I don't know. I think it's amazing. But can I, can I actually, can I jump off that in terms of it being the scientists like sci-fi movie? Even so with all like the mumbo jumbo and things that go on in Mm -hmm. it. I don't think it's it's the perfect amount of confusing, in ter- but in terms of understanding, you can. Yeah, they have they like have such good ways to like conceptualize it to just like a modern movie goer. Like when they're describing the the black hole and like the guy like talks about the round cir- the circle in three dimensions, and then like and does the paper thing. He like sticks the pencil through the, which paper. we see in like every scene of a movie now, I feel like, yeah, like, like yeah. they didn't like Thor love and thunder most recently. It's just yeah, so funny. Did. Like, I uh, just like the science mumbo jumbo is there, but I love movies like that. And like legal thrillers too, where I don't really understand the legal precedents that are happening, but, but you I'm sure just, do you feel like you get it afterwards. Yeah. Like you're just along for the ride and you're like, Oh yeah. Well, obviously you have to like boost the thrusters to, slingshot around the whatever blah 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 i'm like i'm with you i understand it so i think it's the perfect kind of like nolan confusing no one likes to confuse you with his timelines but the science doesn't Mm -hmm. totally like leave you going like what like it all you all you rationalize it and you're like yeah that makes sense um because i like how even yeah and i like how even like the mysterious stuff isn't like Oh, it's just something we can't comprehend. It's like, well, we have theories on what it is and like, but we don't know. And that's kind of like the magic of science, right? Like this is like, there's so many terrifying questions within like the scientific community that we don't know the answers to, but we know of them. Yeah. So like, to me, like the whole like fifth dimensional beings and like the gravitational pull of love and all that stuff. I loved it. Cause it's like, sure. Like even this stuff, it's like, we don't know. Like. Yeah, this could, could be very well be the case. And like, I like that because like sometimes the Nolanisms of his other scripts are a little bit like, all right. But because of like the way that it's framed and the way that it's being proposed by the scientists as like theories, like everything mm-hmm. works for me in that way. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just really clicks. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I'm with you. Sweet. You got you to. Gotta, I have uh, like three more things. Yeah. Hit me with we, some. And then we can go on. Um. I just want to quickly mention, I love the, uh, cause it seems really prescient in, in our times, the past couple of years, the, the moon propaganda lore yeah. that like yes. you, you get a feeling of in the first, when he goes and meets with the, the, the PTA meeting with, uh, or the parent teacher mm-hmm. conference for his kids. And they're talking about that. They Murph brought in this textbook from like the NASA program. And they said they have new government textbooks that like say that we didn't actually go to the moon because the world needs farmers and yeah it's like propaganda to like uh to nullify like the idea of like wanting to explore the stars by just like telling them that it was fake anyways yeah like the world needs farmers not engineers and just like to like our problems are down here on earth not out there in the stars i thought i found all that fascinating and obviously there's like people out there that don't believe we went to the moon so i just thought that it was fascinating that they which i gotta say we went to the moon guys like yeah let, let's we're pro moon podcast there's 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 reflectors on the moon we can shoot a laser beam at it like it <laughs> comes back like 
we, yeah. we did that. Um, forget about it. Yeah, um, forget about it. Yeah. Which is funny though, too, because uh, it, this is inspired by 2001 A Space Odyssey and the mm-hmm. conspiracy is around uh, Kubrick. Kubrick when making that movie. He also just happened to fake the moon landing uh, on, on his spare time on set, I guess. What a flex. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, uh, the last two things. One, just I just like how they like morphed ghosts aliens higher beings into like how they conceptualize that because she thinks that like she has a ghost and then there's all this talk of like all is it aliens but no it just turns out it was us the whole time i just like how they i just like how they exemplified that and then finally the big one which still holds up nine years later really and really fun because we kind of talked about it with in a reverse way with psycho Having mm-hmm. a big star and killing them off, but having a big star, not even telling people you have a big star in the movie, and they show up two hours into the movie and Matt Damon. Yeah, they keep it under wraps. That way, real, that, that hit so, so hard in in theaters. Everyone was like Matt Damon. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I just love that they were able to keep that under wraps in like the spoiler esque nature we have now with Marvel mm-hmm. things and things like that. That they. They really kept that under wraps and it was just really, really cool to see that. So yeah, the Matt Damon reveal still hits and I'll talk about that later too. Oh, totally. It hits. I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, really quick. You did mention like the gravitational pull of love, which is something that I have, uh, on things that I really like about this. And I, I do want to talk about, Please. um, I think this is definitely an ending to a, to a Nolan movie that is very Nolan. Mm-hmm. And I think this is maybe where like a lot of people don't like this movie. Yeah, that's there's some um, pushback for that part. For sure. Like I think yeah. like the like the last 20 minutes for a lot of people, uh, including uh Cody from uh, Cat Podcast, who <laughs> if you ever listen to his episode, uh he he really hates this movie. Yeah. Um, which is fun. But uh but yeah, so like I think it's pretty interesting because I don't think a lot of the criticisms of it are necessarily like warranted. Like mm-hmm. when people are like well, how come he ends up in the room where he's interacting with his daughter? And it's like, well, they say this, that they're like the fifth dimensional beings are like helping him comprehend the fifth dimension by putting him in something that he can like in his three dimensional world. Yeah. 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 This is like a way for his brain to rationalize it without him like exploding basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Then like, I know some people said like, why is it shoehorned in at the end? Like, cause it does appear like at the very end, but like, this is not something like, like as far as like him experiencing it, like in real time, yes. But like as a feeling, it's existed the entire movie. Like you have Doctor Brand talking about how she wants to go to the other planet instead of man's planet, um, so she can like be with the person that she loves, and she has this like this gut feeling, basically, like this is where she needs to go. She can't shake mm-hmm. it, and and you know, like, and it ends up that she was right. Like obviously, like this could be like her being selfishly wanting to be with him, but like it's also like. It, it's the right move like it she, i don't know she got she got it right there um but yeah i don't know and people are always like well it's it's time travel so like why and it, it is time travel in the sense of like I, like i don't know it's not traditional time travel which is something that i really like about it where it's like this yeah. is like almost fate like because it already happened and his actions that he did didn't change him going out into space and doing this mission. And and it's like a paradox, a self-fulfilling paradox that I really, really love. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish it would happen more. I think, and it's, it's the nature of Nolan movies where 
bros come in and try to over explain it to <laughs> rationalize it but like you don't need like just let it be you know like it if it all makes sense within the the movie and the constructs that they create and like you mm -hmm. don't have to come in and mansplain why it wouldn't work because yeah because no one loves you sorry is that wow is that specifically at the cat podcast <laughs> no but cody uh i respect your takes as always and opinions and i love <laughs> you very much uh and i love you okay <laughs> um and then finally i wanted to talk about uh just like the themes of fatherhood following mm. and then like how like coop has like this this passion and this desire for like a higher purpose that he knows he's been like scammed out of. And like he has, like he he's in like this caretaker generation, I think is what they call it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because like one, I feel like we're kind of in the caretaker generation right now, mm. as far as like, we're just kind of holding on and trying to keep things together. And then maybe people, uh, a couple generations down from us can own a house, but not us, but you know, like <laughs> born, uh, what is it? What did I say? Born 40 years later, 40 years too early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and his character is just so interesting to me. Like I, I totally get right. this call to action being so selfless and selfish at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then like, as like the movie progresses, of course you basically see him regret it, but like, there's nothing he can do about it except make it not in vain, which yeah. is so, so satisfying for like a character to kind of go through this. Um, and then of course, like him, like trying to get back, uh, it, it, it's just so touching and, and powerful. I, I don't know. Like, this is just something I, I really, really love in this sci-fi movie. Beautiful. Sweet. That's Shall we I move got. on to our favorite scene? Yeah, let's do it. What do you got? I have a few. Um, I do too. My first one, and it's just very quick. Um, I'm just a sucker for a, a car driving through a cornfield. Yeah. So I just had to mention that when they're following the drone. Um, and they're just he just turns off and drives through the cornfield. It just, it just always works. I'm sorry. It's just it's visually pleasing. And they planted all that corn. Did I mention that? You and, did. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's my first one, but, um, then the, when the first dust storm kind of happens and like Murph has her window open and you mm -hmm. can see the magnetic fields, you can see the binary yeah. and they're like coordinates and you're like, Oh, that's good stuff. And then they get to NASA. Um, and that's where the movie really like starts to, starts to kick for me. Um, when we get all the NASA lore about like the public opinion wouldn't support this, the corn will stop growing. You know, the earth isn't ours, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And when, like when Michael Caine shows up and he's like, tells Coop, like your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on earth. That hits. That's really good. The stakes are high. The stakes, stakes are, are really high. Really high. Um, and so, so all that is great. And introducing the Lazarus missions are, are really where it starts taking off. Um, but then I think, well, I'll let you go because my first real favorite scene is Miller's Planet. But if you have anything before that, um, let me know if you got anything before that. No, the thing, the thing I had before it is like, uh, just like leading up to takeoff, which is crazy. I think it's like forty minutes into the movie is when they like actually go into space. <laughs> yeah, but like while we're on Earth, we do get to see a lot of interesting things uh, about how society has progressed in this like kind of downturn um and so so we get to see like the parent teacher conference which which we mentioned which is really interesting of like they're encouraging people to be laborers and not inventors and explorers and, and stuff like that which i think yeah. is 
really interesting and really sad. And we go to a Yankees game and <laughs> the Yankees are just like this little league team, basically <laughs> um, definitely like a minor league team at this point, which is, it is really interesting because you have John Lithgow's character who is, I think supposed to be like the millennial generation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, and obviously he's like much older now and it's just like him talking about the good old days of the Yankees and, and Coop never grew up with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and so and then just kind of see it skip a generation of like the pleasantries of life and like we're kind of getting back into it but like stuff is still terrible. It, it redefines Coop's role in the world in a really interesting way that I like. But then then of course you have like the takeoff scene where it's edited together so brilliantly between like him leaving his daughter and then like the, with the countdown of him driving away and now we're just in space. Like it, it's so. Oh, like the the emotional pacing there is perfect. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's just really good. He's driving mm-hmm. away. I'm always a sucker. It always gets me every time when a father or a a, a brother or something like that is driving away in a truck mm-hmm. and crying. See uh, see Sam Neill in A Star Is Born. Uh, yeah, you know, always gets you. So all that is paced really well. The scores building, the countdown, really well done. Um, but yeah, so you want to talk about Miller's Planet? Yeah. Um, Let's talk but, about it. Um, well, I guess before that, I should mention when they go through the wormhole for the first time, too. So um, cool. Like, so cool. Really like breathtaking. Sat- like, f- him, like the ship flying against Saturn yeah. in the background. Oh, so cool. God. And then like that's obviously where the big 2001 influences come. You see <laughs> them kind of bending into the f- hole. And it's just, it, Yeah, breathtaking. Anyway, Miller's Planet. Um, this is the scene that sticks with me the most. Um, when they come out of the black hole and they land on this planet, um, this is the first of three planets they think might be habitable based on Mm -hmm. readings and data that they received through the black hole. Um, they come down on this planet. They realize it's like all water. And like, you're watching this for the first time. You think that like the, 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 the whole, when it happens that then they land and it's like shallow, you're like, Oh, that's so cool. I don't know why that's so cool. But they're just like wading through this shallow water. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you see this giant like landscape in the background and you think it's mountains. Those and aren't mountains. Those that aren't mountains. goes so hard. Wreckage. Where's the rest? Where's the mountains? Those aren't mountains. The waves. <laughs> I'm really quick too. Uh, the whole time dilation risk, uh, yeah. because it is so close to a black hole that, like, through like the theory of relativity, um, time moves at a different speed on this planet than it would on Earth. So, yes. like, every hour that they're there is like seven years. Yeah, seven on years. Earth. So, like, there is a ton of of risk and doing this because the plan a the whole point of the movie is is to find a place for the people of earth to move to Mm -hmm. and and you can't do that if if they're all dead by the time you get back off of this planet it's crazy stakes in a way of like oh no it's not life or death for you it's you will waste everyone's time on earth and they will grow old and die it's crazy yeah it's 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 insane um so yeah talking about the score really quick too um yeah yeah there's a moment where every 
like one and a half seconds, there is like a, a click, a, yeah. a tick. Yeah. And that is a represent representation of an earth day going by every so, single tick. It's so cool. Which is so crazy. Um, hit, I love that. Hits so hard. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the waves start to come and I, I don't think we haven't even mentioned like TARS um, mm-hmm. and that design of this robot. Um, how it just, it's just like, it's practical. Uh, to my knowledge like is it do you know like is that just all practical the yeah it was, it was most of it yeah it was yeah other than it. obviously when like it's like rolling to go save her in the yeah, water yeah, that's yeah. probably cgi but but like the fact that it was puppeted and just so cool it doesn't have like a robot voice either like the fact that they were just like former marine corps things it's just I, I like the lore of that anyway yeah the lore is really cool yeah bill Irwin does who does the voice of tars he yes. did the motion capture or not the motion capture but the puppetry, the puppetry. of tars and case um incredible for both of those guys and, and it's really cool and a yeah. fun fact about bill Irwin, which i'll get into later but i'll just say it now okay is that uh he was mr noodles on sesame street in elmo's world he was a little <laughs> mr noodles bill Irwin. Um, shout out bill Irwin. what a legend love that dude um, so anyway, yeah. Then this wave comes Tars like unfolds and rolls to go yeah. get brand and bring her back. You lose uh Seneca crane, uh, to the waves, uh-huh. uh, you lose West Bentley and then they ride up the wave down the wave. And then when they get back to the ship and they realize that it's been 23 years. Oh, that is when they, I don't remember the, what their other, the other guy's name is. Um, his on the ship with them is uh, Romley. Romley, that's right. When they get back, and Romley has like he's so old because he's like, yeah, because the whole point was like you'll be gone for like a year, maybe two. Yeah, and he's like, I, I'll do some research and figure out I'm some gonna stuff study while you're gone. While you're gone, really interesting. Like, but then like when they're gone for that long, and he had he he was like, I got tired of going into cryo sleep, and he's just like this old man now. Yeah, he's oh, like, I didn't want to like, God. I didn't want to sleep my life away, and, and you're like, heartbreaking. Oh, that's tough. Um, so yeah, twenty three years, but yeah, that whole scene just really sets the sets the tone for you know the reality of what they're doing, what they're facing, and uh, just and a like, gorgeous set piece. Yeah, this is just like a small piece of it too, but like, I would love, and obviously not connected to this, but like a similar story where like you just have a guy who's on this ship mm-hmm. waiting for twenty three years, like. Yeah. When you don't know if these if they died down there, like like you could just be waiting for nothing. Like for him, like the, the psychology of that must have been truly torture. Oh, <laughs> like that's, that's insane. Have you seen uh just what I'm thinking about it? Have you seen Moon with Sam Rockwell? Moon, yes. Very okay. good. It just makes me think of that too. Very yeah. fun movie. Um yeah. So that's my that's my first one. What do you what do you got? I've kind of been just kind of rattling off, but do you got any after Miller's Planet? Yeah, di- directly afterwards we have the video message scene, Ooh, which yeah. is where you have McConaughey uh, sit down and watch twenty three years worth uh, of video messages from his family, and it's mostly Timothy Chalamet and, and Casey Affleck um, portraying his son. Yeah, um, and it's like, oh my god! First of all, Timmy Chalamet, young Timmy Chalamet, shout out! Yeah, before very he, fun, before he popped off. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Going back, I'm like, oh Timmy. Yeah, yeah um, so he's super fun in it, and. Then it switches to Casey Affleck, who who is kind of a weirdo in real life. Um, yeah. but uh, he he was really good in it too. And like ha- hearing his voice talk about like 
oh, you know, we had our baby. And then like in the next one, it's like, yeah, we had to bury him like from the blight. And so you're kind of learning about like how earth is changing and how children aren't surviving as much because of how bad this dust storm has been. Yeah. Um. And, and watching Matthew McConaughey, like, first of all, um, this is maybe his best acted scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, the smile to the cry. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. Like, um, and so we see him kind of like reacting to his child losing his child and he can't even console him. And like, this is like, I think the moment for him where he's like, maybe this, like, this is the low point for him, right? Like he, this is a big failure on this past planet on Miller's planet. They lost so much time and now he's seeing like what it's costing. And Oh my God. It's just, oof, it, it hits so hard. And then of course you have Murph finally at, at the end um come on at the very end and you know she goes hey dad you son of a bitch and and the scene is, is just so powerful as she's talking about how she's the same age as he was when he left hey dad you son of a bitch i never made one of these man you were still responding because i was so mad at you for leaving And then when you went quiet, it seemed like I should live with that decision, and I have. But today's my birthday. And it's a special one because you told me you once told me that when you came back, we might be the same age. And today I'm the age you were when you left. So it would be a real good time for you to come back. Yeah. And you can tell that she's really angry. And then she breaks into the cry. She talks about how it would be a real good time for you to come back. And oh, it's just, it's so heavy. But then also at the same time, to then edit it to where like her turning it off is now like we're back in real time for her yeah we're seeing what she's doing now with nasa and the program and and all that i thought was really really interesting yeah and like just even to build up to that moment too when casey affleck's doing all this giving all his videos and the music is building and building Mm -hmm. and then he finally says like i guess i they say i should let you go because you're not listening to this he turns it off the music just stops yeah it's just silence and then you're just reminded of just Oh, the silence, and then he just sits there, and then Murph comes back on, and but yeah, that ooh, it's a great build up. Yeah, I love yeah, it. The scene's amazing. I cry every single time I watch that scene. I don't know about you, that that scene makes me cry every single time I watch it's it. It's tough. It's so tough. It, it's all on on McConaughey's back to react mm-hmm. to that, and he yeah. does just He's so doing well. Great. Um, my next one after that is um is just the discovery of Matt Damon on, on and, yeah. and Doctor Man's planet. This is my um, next one too. So yeah, go for it. Perfect. Um, so yeah, they go to this frid. They land on this frigid planet with like frozen clouds. Thought that was a really cool detail when they bump into yeah. the cloud and he's like mm-hmm. frozen clouds. This um, is filmed in Iceland, I think. Oh, cool. Most of this stuff. Um, so they land. They they wake. I keep. I just keep saying Matt Damon because I can't. But they wake Doctor Man uh, mm-hmm. from his cryo sleep. He wakes up and is crying, and. He's like the last time he went to sleep, he didn't set a waking date, you know, like he was losing all hope. And McConaughey's like, 
Lazarus. And you're like, oh yeah, yep, yep, you're doing it. Um, and then he just kind of starts to describe their world. They kind of walk around on their world. Um, and then they discover there was no plan A. Um, yeah. So we, we kind of get like before that, like Michael Caine's character was like, basically there was no plan. They were never meant to come back to earth. They were meant to just go yeah. colonize one of these planets with the the embryos that they brought aboard. And so they discover that. And Dr. Man's like, yeah, this was always the plan. I knew saving the species versus saving ourselves, you know, it's pretty deep stuff. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I just also yeah. crazy to think too, like that whole scene, like you have uh, Dr. Brand, she's figuring this out too. Yeah. And her father who knew this sent her daughter out on this suicide <laughs> mission. Yeah. He's um, like, and we think of like the father daughter parallels between like his sacri- like between Coop's sacrifice for Murph. And, yeah. and then of course you have professor Brand sacrificing his daughter. Mm-hmm. for him i don't know it, like for the greater good or however you want to phrase it like it's heavy stuff yeah it's 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 crazy um so yeah that's but yeah my... then you have you have dr man like taking coop out to like this place to show him how bountiful this place is oh, um, the double cross the double cross is yeah. crazy intense um and and it, his character like while for the greater good he has human uh like like this is like a tragic story right like he he is brought out of the sleep and he's crying and he's being held um and then of course like this is a selfish choice for him to like basically get himself off of this planet um but it, it and it's really cruel what he does to matthew mcconaughey but at the same time this is like very human of him and yeah. i don't know it, it's obviously like the wrong thing to do but like everything you see of him is just like the selfish version of mcconaughey just yeah. like, I, like I don't know, like it, it's this is what you get when you have someone who knows the science, who is down for the science, but put into the moment, can't handle the pressure, and thinks about himself before the mission. Yeah, even he though like, he he kind of lies to himself and says that like the he's mission because he's humanity. like he's talking yeah. about yeah because he is talking about Plan B, but specifically he's going to ditch everybody else and do that for himself so he can yeah. also. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's really interesting, um, and, and of course in that scene too his. Uh, Tars and Case is called Kip, which is, uh, of course, after Kip, out. who uh, is the physicist for this movie. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then like that whole scene builds up to the, and then it all it culminates into the explosion. You know, our guy Romney mm-hmm. bites the dust trying to get the data from Kip and and blows it. Um, and then my next scene is is uh, man blowing the airlock when he goes up there. Um, yeah, the endurance. Just so riveting when he's trying to dock on the when he's trying to dock on the endurance and they're trying to tell him not to to blow the airlock. He's given this this big speech like about humanity. And then it just again, silence. It blows up the silence mm-hmm. of space. And you're just like, oh shit, it didn't work. Um and I just gotta say, since I date a scientist, she will not stop talking about how there's no sound in space, and now I'm hyper aware of it. And yes. so I love when a space movie does no sound in space. It's it is so, so effective. So and effective. It's so it's so good at making it space feel so dangerous and scary because it is. But like that's just such a great layer on top of it. Yeah. Like my takeaway yeah. from watching this movie, like even if the if if the planet was if Earth was going down, I don't think I could get in a spaceship, man. I don't think I could go up there. So it's terrifying. I'll, 
I'll just go as down a kid. I wanted to be an astronaut. I could not do that. No, I can't do it. And after watching Too this scary. movie, like, because then this goes into, because when things start spinning in space, that stresses mm-hmm. me out because they just they don't stop. So then when McConaughey is like, when they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Docking." When he has to dock on the spinning space station. Yeah, and he starts spinning it. Yeah. And he's like, if Match I black it. out, so you cool. take the stick and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's great. He's um, bad ass, dude. He's so badass. But yeah, anyway, that was last night. I was having such anxiety watching it, but I was like, God, this is riveting. I don't know how to describe this feeling, but mm-hmm. God, it's like, a yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Um, after that, I only have one more scene. I don't know. Is, do you have one more scene? Oh uh, yeah. My next scene is uh, the reuniting of Coop and Murph. So if you have one before that then go for it, I just want to mention going through the black hole um and it's going amazing, into, yeah. into the fifth dimension and kind of giving mm-hmm. the the resolution of the movie explaining it all he was telling himself to stay given all the love is quantifiable transfers the data through mm-hmm. the watch and like and just the reveal that like we built this like one one day like this fifth dimension it wasn't aliens it was us and it's one us. day we'll understand it but we don't right now like that's ooh that hits really hard. Cool. I know it's a lot of and where people might push back. It's a lot of over explaining and getting the message through, but I don't know. It kind of works. Um, it works for me too. Kind of works. So. I, I get why it doesn't for a lot of people, but yeah, I, I don't mind an exposition dump on something this big, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, yeah, we can, and then the final scene we talk about is his, finally his reunion with Murph. Yeah, totally. I well, first of all, I love when he wakes up on this ship and it like looks like his like place of residence, like it's like a farm. But you see the as the camera t- tilts up, like the field and and the ground are warping upwards towards yeah. the sky, and you realize like, oh, this isn't Earth. This is a Cooper a space station. station. Cooper Station. And he goes, "You named it after me," and like they laugh, like, "No, we named it after your daughter." Um, which is badass because of course she figures it all out after Coop yeah. gives him gives her the the data and, and all that, and then you have them reuniting, and she is twice the age of McConaughey. Uh, on whenever they meet each other, and it is so sad. Like you see, like all of her family that's there, mm-hmm. and just like just them getting to reunite is, is so satisfying. And of course, she's you know talking about like he's like I. I was your ghost, Murph. It was me, and her being like, "You need to go. Like, I, you should not see me die. Like, yeah, I, I, no I have everybody watch their child die. Yeah, Ooh, crazy line. And he's Ooh. like, "You need." To, she goes, "You need to go find Doctor Brand." And then, like, it kind of ends in like this really cool, satisfying, like you know where everybody's gonna end up kind of mm-hmm. adventure. I don't, I don't know. It was like he rode off into the sunset, basically, but like in a really satisfying way. Stole the spaceship, got out of there. Love it. Yeah, awesome. Woo! Went through some scenes, man. They're all great. Totally. Beautiful. All right. Uh, What was your favorite quote? Really quick. Uh, We used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. That's good. That's that's mine also though. And the way he um, delivers it to the, the a way only McConaughey could chew up a line like that. Yeah. Oh, it's good. That's really good. And then, uh, yeah, I have one more of his, which is. Mankind was born on earth. is never meant to die here. Also just really cool. Yeah, it's great. And then 
like uh does kane says something too where he's like we're not meant to save the world we're meant to leave it something along the same line mm -hmm. it's great stuff yeah, oh i did so write good. down i wrote down one more too because it was mcconaughey talking to murph uh went before he leaves and he says we're just here to be memories for our kids once you're a parent you're mm -hmm. the ghost of your children's future Ooh boy yeah awesome that's, that's tough that's laying it down line. right in the early early bits too i know just for really him to be your ghost so good Ooh, god that's great uh yeah that's what All i got right. for quotes carter mm -hmm. let's move on to houston we have a problem houston we have a problem what could have been better man well so i'm just gonna mention it again just for the whole love you know does love mean something more i think that's where people that's where people balk on the movie a little bit like the whole love transcending time and space is it a little ham-fisted <laughs> for people i think it, it it pretty much works um but it does it is one of those things where in the last half of the movie where mcconaughey's running around through those dimensions and he's like it's love it's love i get why it, i get why it could be a little little ham-fisted and a little much for sure. people in what seemed to be a grounded movie to begin with so i'm just playing devil's advocate throwing that out it. there doesn't bother me it. but uh but i understand I, yeah. Um, can we talk about Anne Hathaway's character? Oh, okay. You don't like her? I don't think that N Nolan wrote this character very well. And okay. I, I think like the whole reason, like she keeps screwing up and I hate when like we, we cast that, that burden on like a woman, like when we go into the, we go onto the water planet and she's like, yeah, I screwed up. It was my fault. And I just, I, I don't know. She didn't seem like she had really much to do. I love Anne Hathaway. I think we've talked about Anne Fair. Hathaway before. Um, but I she guess, gets so much hate. And I think this is, a, I like this performance from her also. Yeah. I, I, it's not, it's nothing to do with her performance. I wish mm -hmm. I just had a little more from her character. She didn't seem like she was very useful and kind of just made problems for people. And the the whole thing being in love with Edmonds, I kind of love I love that, but also it was showed like another. You think at the time it's like another weakness. I like she's just like her head is not in the right spot, but it turns out it was, and that's where they needed to go in the first place. Well, that's uh, kind of what I like about it too. It's like she is so data driven, but yeah. she has this one hang up that she like mm -hmm. can't really let go of, but she does it for the mission anyways. And I I I don't know. I I appreciate that. I like when like the yeah. We need to stick to the mission. People are still like sacrificing shit too. Sure. And then but. um, my last one, just a little nitpick. So Casey Affleck just like wanted to kill his family. Like uh, <laughs> he was a bad dad, uh, bad father, bad husband. Why was he so stubborn? Like to like, couldn't have poor Topher Grace come check his family's lungs. And he's like, get out of here. And, and then I, when, I get what you're saying. I'm going to, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. No, here. please, please. This is like NASA hasn't existed for like 60 years. Fair. Like, and yeah. she works at the secret place underground. Mm -hmm. She, and he's like this farmer who's just trying to like make some money and like live and keep his family farm going during like a famine, basically. Yeah. But he doesn't like realize, like, he doesn't even want to give them help. Toe like for grace. Who's like, hey man, oh, like, hey, what well, you I'm gonna get, get to him here. later, but it's not yeah. safe here. He goes, we need to leave like now. This is like something he says. If yeah. Dover Gray showed up and started being like, you need to uproot your life, I would also be like, hey, I'd man, punch like, him too. I literally don't even know who you are. 
Yeah, um, I'd and you know, too. like one of his kids died, and like maybe he has like this trauma of like, oh, I don't want it to be my fault that my kid's dead. So like, sure, I can't accept this. Reflecting, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fair. I just had to get. It. I just had to get that out there. Um, but yeah, those are. That's really all I got. What about you? Do you have any things that that pick that need to, to be picked? Yes, and Please. these are literally just like the tiny snippets. Whenever they hack that drone, every single time I get so annoyed when. They just move their finger on the trackpad and it does whatever they want it to. The directionality. I hate that shit. (laughs) Um, It's moving in a 3D plane and you're wiggling your finger on a little mouse. Like, it's like, that's not, that's not how that works. There's so so many things to control. Like, oh my God, that bothers me. (laughs) Um, And then my other ones is at the very end, whenever you see your daughter again, meet your grandkids. I mean, that's yeah, he's just like, peace out. Yeah, like, don't even say hi to your grandkids. Like, that's and vice versa. They didn't want anything to do with him either. They all just part part away and, like, yeah, that dude saved the world, you know? But no, I mean, I get it. Like, obviously, if the mom's or if the if Murph's on the deathbed, like, let her talk to her dad really quick. But, like, I don't know, like, stick around for a little bit and say, hey, hey, Coop, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm Gary. I don't know, you know, yeah, (laughs) I'm Gary. Um, I'm Eric Foreman Jr. <laughs> but but yeah, those are those, and it kind of sucks that, of course, he never got to reunite with his son, and I don't think he cares that much to be honest. I think yeah, we it didn't was get all about Murph. Yeah, didn't get much of that. Poor, poor Timmy, poor Casey. Yeah. So poor guy. For that. Anyways, but yeah, that's all I had. Beautiful, sweet. Let's move on to you like me. You really like me, and I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like. For this, uh, Interstellar was nominated for only five Oscars, which I think is kind of a scam. Were they all technicals, um, right? They were most, yeah, they were all technicals, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the first four nominations uh, were for Best Original Score, nice. which lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think uh, is, I, I think that's a scam. I think it's, they got yeah, it's an okay there. score, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, best production design, which lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel. That one I can understand a little bit more. That makes sense, um, Wes Anderson vibes. Yeah, yeah, but but that. yeah, um, best sound editing, which lost to American Sniper. That I don't agree with. I don't agree with that at all. That's and then best tough. sound mixing, which lost to Whiplash. That is but fine. Even, even then, I'm like, I don't know. I still think interstellar maybe deserve that over it but it's like I, where I yeah that's when you're like i don't know what these category differentiators mean which is why they're mm-hmm. just sound now so totally fine by me but what so it won one though it won one for best visual effects which oh. i mean yeah yeah that would be runaway. insane if you didn't give it um but yeah i thought they were totally snubbed in best picture categories there was no directing or acting nominations which i just thought was you know kind of kind of crazy pretty crazy because i think like Everyone in this main cast, like pretty much all won Worthy, or right? nominated for an Oscar in their time, you know, yeah. like at least at this point now, everyone in the, a lot of Oscar winners in that cast. So mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And I yeah, guess there's I, probably like McConaughey won, pro- I think the previous year. So there's, pro- there's maybe probably, maybe that's why he didn't get probably this, the nomination. Yeah. But. Maybe. I don't know, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to give out a golden Odie? Carter? Yes, I would love to. I'm uh, obviously just going to give my gold note to Matthew McConaughey. Um, 
just at the height of the reconnaissance here. I'm basically just giving it to the reconnaissance because, mm-hmm. you know, this is post Dallas Buyers Club, post True Detective. Like we're really coming coming off of a, of a high. And then he's in the, one of the biggest, biggest movies from one of the biggest auteur directors of the time. And it's really before, like, I think he's in too much before he, like, sometimes mm-hmm. he starts to make some, some poor decisions and some of the things he's in. Totally. Um, so yeah, I just think this is one of the last great McConaughey performances. We've seen some good ones. Um, since then, you know, I think he was good in white boy, Rick, um, mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> Uh, just throwing that out there because that was one that I remembered his performance from. But uh, yeah, I'm just giving mine to Matthew McConaughey and the McConaissance for sure. Totally. What about, what about you? Yeah, I had that as well, but I'll go on and move on to my second Golden Odie, which was the hire him again, Mr. Nolan. Uh, and that goes <laughs> to John Lithgow. Like, why is this guy not in more? Yeah, Nolan he's great. Stuff? He's John, so fun. He's great. I feel like he had like the Michael Caine type role. For this mm-hmm. movie of like, like loving, caring guy, but because Michael Caine was British, they were like, "Well, we can't do this one for you, so we got to make you the the bad guy." Yeah. Uh, for this movie, I don't know. I I thought John Lithgow was amazing, and I was great. I I really like anytime he shows up in something. Yeah, I think, I, think I like him in in everything I've seen. You know, he plays villains, he plays good guys, and he's yeah. he's the theater guy too. So he's great. I love him. Yeah, he's such a freak in Dexter. If anyone's seen that season, yeah. just watch that season. He plays a serial killer in it. Watch and that season, awesome. and watch Cliffhanger because he's just an absurd plays an absurd villain in that movie. And it's isn't he in Harry and the Hendersons, which you just watched? Yes, he is actually. Good point. I did watch that this week as well. Not because I was watching Interstellar with John Lithgow in it, but just happened to be the case. Yeah, uh, shout out Harry and the Hendersons, uh, Oscar winner. Best makeup. Was it really? Yeah, it was. Wow. That's why I watched it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. Um, do you have any squeakers to give out? Uh Topher Grace uh gets my yep. squeaker. Um Topher Grace jump scare award uh was for me for Topher Grace. Yeah, like where did he come from? And he's like every line he delivers is like <laughs> I just can't take it seriously. I also like when he's uh when he's like taking like the checking the lungs of the mom uh-huh. and, and the son he checks the lungs of the mom and the son and chastain both walk downstairs and he like shakes his head obviously when the son <laughs> is like watching and looking at him and then he checks his lungs and he like doesn't even hide it he's like it's bad we need to get them out of here now to not even try to to cover it up um uh, it's just it's just tough and like when he's just forced to sit down there and keep yelling warnings to to Murph, like the fire's out, the truck's coming, I see <laughs> we gotta him. go, we gotta go now. It's it's tough. So tough, tough yeah. looks for Topher Grace. Um, there, yeah. So that's your squeaker too. Yeah, yeah. and I, I want to like Topher Grace too because I feel like most do, of yeah isn't deserved, but also every time I see him in something, I'm like, you're not great though. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I want to defend you for some reason, but like. I don't know if you necessarily deserve it, but one of I my still favorite like one of my favorite Topher Grace performances is, performances is in Ocean's Eleven where he's playing a parody of himself, where he's playing Topher awesome. Grace, and he's like, but like it's five minutes, and he's like a joke unto himself in there, so like he's in on the joke at least. But it's it's yeah, uh, I don't know. Check out that '90s show, I guess. <laughs> Check out Spider-Man Three. Yeah, I like being bad. Um. Yeah, that's what I got. And also, just Sweet. shout out David Oyelowo, um, who also was Oscar nominated, I think, for playing MLK, who plays mm-hmm. just like the teacher. Uh, when they go to the yeah, 
Yeah, Selma was the same year as this, right? Either that or the, the year after. I year don't after? It was okay. around this time. So, so yeah, shout out to this this cast. It's just stacked. Yep. Sweet. Let's move on to Surely You Can't Be Serious. Surely You Can't Be Serious. I am serious. And don't call me Oh, Shirley. boy. I'm ready for got these. Some, got some fun corn-related uh, <laughs> fun facts for you. Yeah, baby. Um, first of all, did you know, Carter, uh, the for the cornfield scene, uh, production designer Nathan Crowley planted 500 acres of corn. <laughs> there we go. Did you yes. know that? I knew they planted Did a lot of Did you also it. know that uh, it cost them $100,000 to plant that many acres of corn, but they sold it for a profit? God, where did that money go? Like to the studio or who who, who got those profits? <laughs> it's straight into Nolan's pocket. <laughs> That's great. Um, On the side, he just happens to be a, a, a farmer. I love it. I love that. Um, yeah. So we talked about Bill Irwin being the voice of Tars, and of course, uh, he played Mister Noodle on Elmo's World in <laughs> since 1998. So he's been doing that for a long time, and he was in Sesame Street uh, since 1993, doing little small parts here and there too, which I think is kind of cool. Nice. Um, yeah, he plays he's, the he's dad in The Grinch, right? It's Cindy Lou Who's dad? I think so. Think so. He nice. he's a uh, he's. I looked him up on like IMDb, and he's described as a celebrated stage clown, and I think that's cool. <laughs> that's uh, that. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, I think that's just amazing. Uh, we talked, of course, about like Hans Zimmer, like not knowing the score, mm-hmm. um, or not knowing like the the, the script to the, the score, script. which is pretty yeah. pretty phenomenal. Um, but the audio mixing of the movie. Uh, I thought was really interesting because it intentionally drowns out some of the dialogue within some of the scenes, like to kind of just like immerse you even more and, and feel like mm-hmm. more discombobulating and movie theaters had to put out notices that like this was intentional to the movie and like their equipment wasn't failing. So like that people wouldn't like get mad and leave the That's theater awesome. and stuff, which I think is great. I love that. Um, we talked about the production design nomination earlier and I think, it totally got snubbed when uh, you think about what they did. So, so a lot of the space station shots, like on the outside and stuff, were created with miniatures that were one fifth scale. So these, like, were like three D printed, like forty to fifty feet long, like ships, which were crazy. Um, and they were able to attach IMAX cameras to the nose of the models to give like documentary type shot feelings, which is yeah. like, so like whenever you see like the nose of the ships, like that, that's real, um, that's which so is really cool. cool. And they had them on gimbals and stuff. So they were like moving around in like a 3d space whenever they were filming. And of course, like replaced with digital elements. So I thought that stuff was really cool. That's just so um, amazing, man. Like it's just, that's awesome. Movies are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, the wormhole was placed near Saturn as a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, yeah, so uh, Stanley Kubrick originally planned for a part of the movie to take place in Saturn, um, which was also the storyline of Arthur C. Clarke's novel. Um, but then, of course, at the time, they couldn't do the visual effects of Saturn's rings, so they had to change it to Jupiter in the movie, uh, which I think is kind of cool. But yeah, so they so they referenced that by, by actually doing it next to Saturn, awesome. which I thought was cool um let's see what else we got we talked about kip being named after dr kip thorne by the way every time you say kip i just think of napoleon dynamite (laughs) is that like the uncle that's uh his brother his His brother brother, his brother's so weird (laughs) um 
Okay, yeah. The black hole is so scientifically accurate that it took a, approximately 100 hours to render each frame, which is crazy. Um, meaning every second on screen took approximately 100 days to render, um, which is just insane. Um, on April 10th, 2019, uh, the first photo of a black hole was made public that looked very similar to the black hole shown in the movie, which I think is so cool, which we talked about earlier, but again, like it's again, it's cool. It's It's movies imitating life before life can be imitated. I don't know. I, I just think that's so neat. And then, uh, my final fun fact is old Murph has the first and last lines of dialogue in the movie, which I think is neat too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Nice. Shout out Ellen Burstyn. Shout out. Um, Carter, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Yes. I don't know. Is does it? What do you think? Um you know, I'm guessing I was imagining that Brandon Murph had a conversation, but I don't think they did. They they have I think they talk very boardroom, but like there's so many guys Mm. around. Yeah, maybe they I guess they don't i say no question mark well so so murph sends that video telling brant that her grandfather died or her dad that's about that's about that's about him but then he's like did you know so i guess not i I don't think so doesn't yeah unless you count unless you say can you determine the gender of tars in case uh i think if their gender is not specified (laughs) then it doesn't count okay then uh then it's a no for me doug all right does it pass the rick dalton meme test guys we're about to go interstellar no it doesn't i don't think it it does it does does it really it says it it says interstellar travel like at one point in the midway point didn't didn't catch that but they don't say we're going interstellar guys well that's not the title of the movie so darn (laughs) <laughs> but yeah they they do they do mention interstellar travel nice so yes, it does pass very nice and it's Sweet. a great date movie it's oh hell yeah it's a great yeah date movie. what do you is. think i think so it's you also, and your dad date <laughs> it was a great family movie too um yeah i think so sweet wonderful let's move on to the list is life the list is an absolute good the list is life. Oh boy, Jackson. Here we go. Uh, this is the 22nd film we are adding to the list. Um, is this a five-star flick for you, brother? This is. Amazing. I have given it four stars. Ooh, uh, okay. But I might be willing to bump it up a half star after this conversation because that just right. tends to happen. But let's let's go to... um. Let, let's start with the other Nolans on our board. Um, so we've put the prestige above the dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think? I know you think interstellar belongs above the prestige. I would assume personally. I do. Yeah, I would. I think I'm going to agree with you also. Okay. Um, just for the scope and scale of it, you know? So I think we should start from here. Then is interstellar better than do the right thing? They're so different, but I'm going to say I enjoy it more. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you and put it up there as well. Uh, is it better than Silver Linings Playbook? I would say so. I would, would agree you? with you. Here's where it gets tricky, but where I may be willing to put it up. Is it better than Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I, th- I, I kind of leaning towards yes. 
Okay. I think I, like I that. am. Let's move it up. But then I think it's where this is where I then I don't know. It, uh, very different. Is it better than American Psycho? What do you think? I'm happy putting it under American Psycho since you, you didn't give it five stars. Yeah, I feel like because then we're pushing towards like because then it's La La Land Psycho. You know, we're yeah. we're pushing. We're pushing. So mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine with it in the top ten though. That feels that feels nice. sounds great. Right. It was yeah. it's a visual spectacle and I loved it. You know. I will say after rewatching this, I threw it back in my letterbox top four. I was like, man, yeah, baby, I, I love this movie. It hits. Is Eternal yeah, Sunshine on there too? There. Have we had like two weeks in a row mm-hmm. of, or three or three? In my, a row? Yeah, some of my favorites. Yeah, very nice. Love Just it. Bangers. We love um, it. Jackson Sweet. onto the actor list. Um, we're just throwing. Believe it or not, none other than Michael Caine still just he's already on our list. But this mm-hmm. is his third movie, and they're all Nolan movies. Um, does it bump him at all above Emma Stone, who he's above his performance here? Michael Caine's Michael Caine's because mm-hmm. that's who he's below on the the actor list. I don't think so because I this isn't. This is one of the weaker Michael Caine performances for yeah. Nolan movies, I think. Yeah. Just I'm because I think he's pl- he's doing a good job in it, but I think he's playing just such a... Uh, I, I don't like his character as much, I guess, is what it comes down to for this. Fair. And I also don't think you can beat Emma Stone and Superbad and La La Land just with these three too performances. Fun. So, too too fun. fun. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that. And this is, a, this is the first time we've finished a director's Correct. Like with our list, we we allowed only three movies per director. Um, yes. And I believe we've done all three of them between The Dark Knight and The Prestige and now Interstellar. So that's pretty exciting. So excited to get that, get the Nolans done uh, before Oppenheimer comes out this summer. So mm-hmm. very excited to, we'll, I know we'll be talking about the Oppenheimer versus Barbie on an episode. So that will be fun. Cool. And then that, well, we're awaiting people to add to the director list of multiple directed films on here. But Christopher Nolan, as of now, is just number one on the list. Just uh, awesome. he's the only one. So good for him. Uh, Jackson, you feeling lucky? You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I'm feeling lucky. So this, uh, this past week, we had Robin Williams beat out Jamie Foxx which was so tragic tough battle um and so yeah this week we have a new matchup of robin williams versus wesley snipes what do you think carter uh, i don't have to spend much time on this um yeah i agree I it's robin williams i haven't seen many wesley snipes things the things i've seen of him are, are, are good or he's, he's 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 good but he's not robin williams you know so yeah, i agree 100 percent. yeah so Sorry, this is a sorry quick, quick conversation. Check out White Men Can't Jump and ignore Rosie Perez in that movie. That's all. Uh, he's good enough. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, we will not be doing uh, RCR Top 100 movie next week. Uh, we're going to chat about some news came out this, this week that we were prepared to talk about today. But uh, mm-hmm. we want to talk about this HBO Max Discovery merger and some of the projects uh, that they they announced and kind of what it means to, you know, get rid of the HBO in HBO's name and watering down that streaming service. Kind of kind of unfortunate. So we're going to talk about that, how we feel about yeah. that next week. And we'll talk about all the projects that they've announced to see if that quells our frustrations any. Spoiler alert, I don't think it does. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. We'll unpack some of the stuff. So get ready for that next week. Um, finally, Jackson, I'll just do a quick filmography update and then we can hit the road, brother. 
Um, not much to uh, to talk about today, other than Jeff is just killing the game right now. Um, yeah. Full control in first place with 233 points. Mario is big right now. Renfield's coming out this weekend. I expect his lead to grow ever, ever even more. And uh, and yeah, no other changes other than um, uh, air popped off for Corbin. Uh, and Bo is afraid is starting to get some early reviews. Kind of divisive, maybe, it seems like at first. We'll see what audience think next week. So it's Jeff in first, David in second, me in third, Cody in fourth, Corbin in fifth, Matt in sixth, Brian in seventh, and Jackson in eighth as of now. More movies to come. You just have one. You just have one, man, and it's okay. You'll you'll be back. Um, but yeah, they also announced Cannes Film Festival lineup this week, so... Some of our movies will premiere there. Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. Asteroid City, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Jackson. Which Let's is go. I hope, that one, I hope that one pans out. I'm yeah. a little nervous for it. But. So we'll get some early reactions for that in early May. So look out for that. Sweet. And with that, we're done, Jackson. Where Woo-hoo! can people follow us on Instagram? They can follow us on Instagram at roughcut underscore pod. They can click our link tree and find our Spotify and all of our other important stuff to get to. Um, I got to say, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and have Spotify, I really, really recommend making the switch. It would mean a lot to us because that's kind of how we're getting paid to do this sometimes now. So if you want to give us <laughs> yeah. a couple extra cents without actually doing it, just switch over to Spotify. The The podcast stuff is actually pretty good over there. I was hesitant to make the switch, but when I did, I really liked it. So yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Here, here. And follow us on uh uh, uh, Twitter too at roughcut underscore co where you can get those podcasts as well. So yeah, with that, thank you very much. Thanks for going interstellar with us, bros. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about Max. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night.